welcome back to the Let's Talk Life podcast. This is episode 10. That's really exciting. Usually when I start a project, I abandon it, but I decided not to this time. Yay. So anyway, um, my first episode about mental health and anxiety, I had one of my best friends, Allie, on as a guest, and she is back today for the 10th episode. Hello, Allie. Hi, guys. Thanks for coming back. Of course. I'm really excited for this episode. This is something really important and really close to my heart, I guess I could yes. say. Um, I, I literally, actually, um, literally close to my heart. Um, so if you don't like uterus talk or, you know, uh, women's health, then maybe this isn't for you. But if you don't know anything about it or if you, you know, experience... Um, if you experience, like, menstruation or, you know, anything of that sort, maybe you might want to listen. I think this will be a good topic. Um, just a disclaimer, though, it might get a little graphic or, you know, detailed. But um, <laughs> that's life. And that's why this is Let's Talk Life. <laughs> yes. All right, Allie. So um, if you want to... Um, maybe introduce, not yourself because, well, if you want to briefly introduce yourself again, but also maybe give a little elevator speech as to, um, your connection with the topic we're talking about today. Sure. So, again, we're going to be talking about, like, women's health and everything, and ironically enough, I met Bethany right around the time that all of this started for me. Because from Jump Street, right when I started um, going through puberty, I was having issues with my reproductive health. And I met Bethany when I was, I think, in, like, sixth grade. Something like that. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> I, was a, I was a junior in high school. Yeah, so I was either in sixth or seventh grade. I might have been in seventh grade. I think so. So this is when everything started for me. And... It started with, like, weird symptoms of, like, heavy periods and, like, intense cramping and all of that. And I didn't know any different because, obviously, when you're young and going through that, you don't know any different. And for some people, like, it's kind of not really talked about in their family, which is kind of why it's a good thing to get this out in the open and get the information out there for people who might go through this and not even know that this isn't normal. Right. So this was kind of like the norm for me, but it was getting to the point where it was like disrupting my schooling. It was disrupting my friendships. It was also affecting my mental health. And I was like, this can't be normal. So that's when I started looking into it. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a good brief description. Cause then we're going to dive more into detail. Um, for me, um, I started going through puberty pretty early for a girl actually I think girls start around like 9 10 like that's like the earliest usually they start I was like 10 11 when I started going through puberty and I got my period when I was in sixth grade it was my first day of sixth grade and I didn't have any symptoms at all aside from the fact that you know I you know my body started changing and like I needed to wear a bra and you know whatnot um that that all started for me in like the very beginning of middle school but, um, I never had acne, I never, you know, had, I never had really any symptoms, I never had cramps, 
for about a year. And then um, when I was around seventh grade, I started having different symptoms and they just were so severe. Like you said, it started disrupting my school. I had to take at least two or three days off a month from school. Um, I thought this was the norm. And then my mom, who's a nurse, she would always tell me, this is not normal. You should really get checked out. And I was just so, so insecure about my body that I was like, I don't want to go see a doctor. I, I avoided it. I avoided it. And all I've ever wanted in my entire life is to be a mother. I still, that's all I ever want in my life. I want to be a mother so bad, you know. And so it always scared the crap out of me that something could be wrong with me because I want to have, you know, healthy babies. So I avoided it. And then eventually, when I was about 21, I was going away to college for the first time. Um, And I said, you know what? I can't risk these bad symptoms happening while I'm away because I don't, I would be terrified. So I definitely want to dig a lot deeper into the both of our, you know, issues here. So first off, um, I have endometriosis. Um, that, well, we suspect. Um, I was diagnosed with dysmenorrhea, so I do have dysmenorrhea, but my doctor told me about a month or two ago that she strongly believes I have endometriosis. Um, Allie, if you could just share your diagnoses. Sure. Well, mine can be, mine's kind of complicated. So I was misdiagnosed by my first ever gynecologist. I was not a fan of this woman. She did not take me seriously. And I almost personally feel like that was kind of her being judgmental because she was a woman and she didn't experience what I was going through. She was like, Oh, well, if you, if you're like, you, you, you have to be like overreacting or something like that's the way it felt for me. So I was like, I don't like this woman. I'm going to go see someone else for this. So I went to another doctor. I actually went to a male doctor. And the male doctor kind of, he treated me like 10 times better than the female doctor did, which was very strange to me. And he took me so much more seriously. And he basically was like, listen, it runs in your family. My mom has endometriosis. And it's kind of, it's surprising that she was even able to have me and my brother, like, we were kind of miracle children, but because it runs in the family, they were like, let's kind of dig deeper into this. Right. Let's figure out what's going on. So he put me on birth control when I was young. Like I was way too young to be on birth control, but I was to kind of calm the symptoms of the um, endometriosis or this, again, you, like you said, suspected endometriosis because unfortunately there's really no right. diagnosis other than like surgically which as a child that young I was not going to be going through surgery to figure that out it's amazing so, how the only way they can tell if you have endometriosis is through surgery if you don't know what so, there's there's such little research regarding women re- reproductive health it's like so sad right um if you don't know if you're listening and you don't know what endometriosis is it is when you grow tissue outside of your uterus. So it could be in the fallopian tubes. It could be on your ovum. It could be on your on your bones by your like your pelvis. Your it could be on yeah. It could be on your um on your what's it called your colon. Yep. It could be on your intestines. Your spine. Anywhere. I have it on my spine. I I really think. Um, mm-hmm. But also, it does a lot of the time. It does come with infertility or um, just 
fertility issues, but so many people, every single person that I know that has endometriosis that, um, pretty much every single person I know, you being probably the only exception, every single person I know has children. So, um, it depends on your severity, but you can, you can definitely have children with it. Um, some people cannot, it's not, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't always run hand in hand, but it is a, um, it is a symptom. It can be a symptom or a, um, what's the word? You know, it's, uh, I'm blanking. It's, you know, it's a, it's something that also can come along with endometriosis, but it's not always like we could easily have five children each, you know, it depends on the, it depends on the person. Mm -hmm. And then is it true that you have PCOS as well? Yes. Okay. So that also runs in my family. My mom and my aunt both have that. And that is something where, so every time you produce, you produce an egg a month, you, my eggs, I don't know how to explain it, but I basically, I have cysts on both of my ovaries. So monthly I will be in horrendous pain and then sometimes it'll almost feel like I have a stomach bug and I'll literally just be, like, in a fetal position in my bed mm-hmm. all day. Mm-hmm. And then, like, a couple days later, I'll, like, be up on my feet and it's almost like nothing happened. Yeah, I want to talk about this. <laughs> I want to talk about this, too. Um, that's and important. It's, it's crazy. Um, so the first thing is is that we were discussing how old we were when, we, when this – started so for me I was around 13 when I started realizing these symptoms how old were you I was probably around the same age yeah again like it's my my period started in sixth grade but it again like you said the severity of it didn't kick in until like right. seventh grade so mm-hmm. I probably was about 13 that's really interesting how that happened for the both of us at the same time um yeah. okay um so then I also was wondering how old you were when you started realizing that something wasn't right. Because you thought it was normal at first. So did I. I started realizing something wasn't right probably when I entered high school. Right. Um, um, I'm trying to think about this. So, I want to say it was probably eighth grade that I was like, no, this like this has to change. I started seeing a gynecologist. Wow. When I was in eighth grade, I think. Yeah, I was a lot older. I was 21. That's, I, yeah. I really was that insecure. Yeah, and that's the thing that's, like, so sad is that, like, you, like, people shouldn't feel uncomfortable about going to the gynecologist. Right. But there are some gynecologists that, like, make it that way, that they're, that it is, like, uncomfortable. And that, right. that's the way it was for me when I first started going. I did not want to go. I didn't want to accept what what she was saying because she was making me feel like I was like crazy but also like, you were so young you were like a little girl you know right it, it just was not for me it was not a good experience and that that is something that is very detrimental to anyone being from age six to 60 like that's detrimental when your doctor does not believe you so for me it started out horribly I finally got the help that I needed from the other gynecologist that I went to um, so I went to that second gynecologist when I was probably, yeah, like eighth grade going into freshman year. Wow. Um, and that's when I got prescribed birth control. That's when they were like, okay, let's try to rule out endometriosis. And 
I wound up going on this medication called Oralissa, mm. which um, it's kind of the step before you would have surgery to take care of wow. the endometriosis issues. Um, so Oralissa, it basically puts you through like early menopause, which is kind of strange, but oh. <laughs> it like, that's awful. It, it pretty much just shuts down your entire reproductive system. And if the Oralissa is working, you pretty much can assume that you do have endometriosis. Mm. And for me, that was the case. I was taking uh, Oralissa and it was definitely helping, helping with everything because my whole system was shut down, my whole reproductive system. Um, We still haven't done the surgery because I just, I, I feel like for me, I, for me, it's like, what is the point of getting the surgery? Because if I have it, I have it, you know? Right. And there's really nothing I can do other than, like, continuing what I'm doing now, which is taking the medication for it, or getting a hysterectomy, which I wouldn't want to do because I still do want to have children at some right. point. So that's kind of where, that's where the whole timeline happened. It was it's, like, I started when I was young, and now I'm this age, and it's like, so much has gone on through these doctors. We've gone, we've gone through so many different methods of trying to figure out my reproductive health and it's it's just been crazy. It's crazy too, because when you're in that moment, when you're having an episode, you know, when it's acting up, it's flaring. All you can think of is I want a hysterectomy right now. Like that's all you're thinking. I'm still planning on getting a hysterectomy when I'm done having children. I don't care. I don't care what Mm -hmm. it takes. I, I can't deal with this anymore. Um, but anyway, so now I want to jump into the actual symptoms and this is important because if you experience this, if you're listening and you experience this, you may want to get, you know, help. Um, so I, for me, my symptoms are, oh God, it's so bad to think about it. Um, so my spine starts hurting. So my whole spine just absolutely feels like it's shattering into a thousand pieces it is so painful it starts from like the top of my spine like not where my neck is but like below my shoulder blades and it goes all the way down and it starts where I know it always starts the day it's the first day of my period and it's like I start getting the cramps and then the cramps aren't as bad but then they start getting worse and I'm like I know it's gonna happen and I know I'm gonna have a flare-up today I'll start profusely sweating, and usually the sweat is cold, but, and I get, you know, I get, like, the chills, so it's really like I have a stomach bug or a flu, that's what it feels like, um, I, in January, it was a couple, it was two days after winter break had just ended, and we come back to school, so I was, I work in an elementary school, I'm a teacher, and, um, I felt so horrifically bad because it was the second day back after break. I'm let, I was literally constantly having to stand and then sit, stand and then sit because I could not get comfortable at work. And it was around, it was around 1230, one o'clock in the afternoon. And I told my co-teacher, I said, I need to go to the bathroom. I feel like I'm going to throw up. And she was like, oh no, do you have a bug? And I said, no, no, no. I said, it's a, it's a, you know period thing and she was like oh yeah I get you go so you know I went to the bathroom I felt okay because I didn't throw up usually I do throw up that's a big symptom for me I walked back to my classroom and then I said nope and I never went back I went and I started walking back to the bathroom but this time I was walking to the nurse and um 
I started walking to the nurse and two of my coworkers were in the hallway and they were like looking at me like something's not right. All of a sudden I started seeing everything in slow motion. I was walking slow. It was like tunnel vision. Like I saw like a tunnel of light around it was black and I started getting really dizzy. Mm-hmm. My coworkers saw, they started, they grabbed my arms, they walked me to the nurse and I fainted in the hallway and the nurse came out with a wheelchair and got me. And when I was fainting, my sound went out completely. Like, my hearing was gone. I heard everything like I was underwater. And I went into the I went into the nurse. I woke up. My aunt was there because I work with my aunt um, in the district. She works in the district. She works at the, at the, build, the building next to our school. Um, so I'm really grateful I have my aunt there. So she was there because she was able to, you know, get my belongings from my classroom. Um, my brother came to pick me up, um, and I think Jack was, Jack was at work at the time. My brother was home, so my brother came to pick me up, um, and I threw up in the, in the nurse's office, and she was like, did you eat anything today? I said, yeah, I had a normal lunch, um, you know, I, I didn't think anything of it, and I told her, I said, well, I suspect I have endometriosis, and, um... There are things that run in my family, like PCOS and whatnot, but, um, so I will throw up, you know, like I have a bug, I, I get the chills and then I, I will just throw up constantly. And the weird thing about these symptoms is that it only lasts about two hours. I went home, I slept it off, I woke up and I could run a marathon. I did a gig that night. I, I drove to Princeton and did a gig that night. So it's it's very bizarre how it only lasts a certain amount of time. And it feels like the most horrific thing in the entire world at the time. And then an hour or two later, it's like you, you don't even remember the pain. It's right. it's like labor. They say with labor, you don't re- you barely remember it after. I mean, I can't really tell you that because I haven't had a baby yet. But but like that's what I've heard is that it's very sim and it's similar because it's the same hormones. And so my doctor, I went to her in February and she goes, you know what, let's schedule you for a- an ultrasound. So I went to the take an ultrasound at um, Riverview and they did a trans abdominal one and they did a transvaginal one. So I had two, um, an interior and an exterior because they thought maybe you have cysts maybe you have fibroids and they saw nothing she goes you look so healthy in there so clean I don't understand and so that's when they were like well we can't see endometriosis so that that's gotta be it and I have all the symptoms um so that's but otherwise she said it it's probably not to this even though my my symptoms are really bad I probably don't have a ton of tissue in there because um, I would, the more tissue you have the in your uterus around, the more likely you are to have other, like, fibroids, PCOS. So she said it's probably not super, super severe, which I'm very, very grateful for. Um, right. And she always tells me, you'll have kids, you'll have kids, you'll be fine, like, you know. And so I'm on birth control. Right now, I've been on so many different birth controls since I was, like, 21, but I'm on one I love right now. And yeah. um, I still get little little bits of cramps, but not anywhere near the severity that I was having. So if you experience something like that, it's not normal, you know. And it doesn't even mean that, like, your bleeding has to be heavy because I don't – I never had heavy bleeding at all. 
ever never 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 have and my period is only three days long so you know that's why I thought nothing of it and I just was like Mm -hmm. "Eh, whatever I'll push it off don't push it off because your health is so important and you shouldn't have to deal with that you shouldn't have to take off work take off school cancel plans Mm -hmm. you shouldn't have to deal with that it's Right. It's so awful. There is treatment out there for you. Like, right. They, they, they're getting better with coming up with like treatments for reproductive health. Yeah. It's just, it's so horrific. I hate this. And I've been dealing with this since I was like 13 years old. I, I would mm-hmm. faint. I would throw up. And people don't take it seriously because they can't physically see your pain. You right. know? It's, oh, it is so awful. And I'm so glad that I decided to you know, get myself some help because it's so painful. It is so, so painful. It's excruciating. It's, and it's, it's exhausting. It's excruciating. I've almost ended up in the hospital several times from it. I haven't. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised I haven't, but that's because I'm so stubborn. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I've been to the ER a couple of times for my cysts. I was going to say, so now if you want to describe your symptoms, that would be great to hear. Right. So for me, it's kind of confusing only because I have both endometriosis and PCOS. Right. So the, the symptoms all kind of go hand in hand. I also suffer with severe um, IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome. Yes, that and actually I read I read something recently that that comes along with um, that usually comes along with PCOS and endo. Yes. Yes. So basically, my doctor's explanation is that because I have the endometriosis or the endometriosis surrounding my like colon and my bowels, every time my my system like cramps, it's cramping my bowels. So yeah. obviously, you know, it causes stomach issues like oh. that. And so that's definitely like my number one issue that I have with it. 100% hands down. That's like the biggest part. But I also suffer with the extreme pain from just the cramps in general. Um, I have very irregular periods. So I get my period like maybe once. Sometimes it happens once every other month. Sometimes it's twice a month. It's very difficult, especially when like you're sexually active. It can be very scary. Like you don't know like what's going on. (laughs) So it's very difficult to track it. Um, So those are the two big things. I have my IBS symptoms where my stomach is always messed up and I have the irregular periods. Um, But also it affects my mental health, which is kind of crazy too. Like I can tell that when I'm having a bad mental health day, I'm probably going to be getting my period soon. And that's kind of how I track my periods because I can't track it any other way. If I start having severe anxiety and depression and, like, suicidal thoughts, I know my period is coming. Oh. Which is scary. It's like, I mean, it's, it, I'm grateful for it because it keep, it lets me know that it's coming. But at the same time, it's, like, it's, it's difficult to deal with. It's debilitating. And once I start getting my period, it's, like, I need to lay in bed all day. I don't know what, what else to do other than lay in bed all day, like, in a fetal position. Mm. And my doll is my best friend. So with the pain, I literally just pop my doll all day. Um, but yeah, we had the IBS, severe anxiety, and the irregular periods. That's like the top three for me. But I also have issues with my weight. It's very difficult for me to lose weight and keep it off. And I want to say that, I mean, it's. I want to say it's definitely part of the PCOS. I know some of it is my willpower, but also like, it's just very difficult for me to shed weight. Right. Um, 
and I've been told that it definitely has to do with the hormones involved in all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another big thing. It, it's it's very it's it's triggering to my mental health because I'm also like it's like I'm, I'll try to lose weight and I know that I can't. Or it's it's very difficult to lose weight because of it. I know that's a that's a symptom of um or that's a side effect of end of um PCOS. But I always I always wonder if that's linked with endometriosis too because I can't lose weight. I mean, to be fair and to be honest, neither of us are really heavy. We're not heavy, but we're not like, you know, where we want to be. Um I'd rather be at a healthier weight than I am now, but um you know, I wonder sometimes because I've tried so many things for losing weight i was on strict diets and stuff and i will lose it but it it's always just water weight like i just i I feel like Uh i I can't lose weight and i always wonder if that's because of my endometriosis i don't know i i think i really feel like it has to be because i mean if you think about all the hormones that are involved with with your reproductive system if if one thing is wrong in your reproductive health like there's got to be a whole bunch of other things going wrong like malfunctioning in your body that's right that's true um, also another weird symptom that I didn't know about until I got bullied enough into doing research about it is body hair. If you, if you have like an excessive amount of body hair, like on your arms, on your face, wherever, mm-hmm. then that's a big sign of PCOS along um. with the, like obviously hand in hand with the other symptoms. That's a big sign that you, that you have PCOS. That's where I knew I didn't have it. I told my doctor before I even got the ultrasound, I said, I knew about that. You can grow hair on your face. I'm like the least hairy person I've ever met in my life. I have stunted hair growth. And actually, it's funny because it's genetic. My mom, too. My mom doesn't have like any eyebrows or anything. It's really bizarre. I have like no no body hair. I could shave my legs and it won't start growing for two weeks. So right. I, I told... And my my body hair is pin straight and like orange. So like I told my doctor, I was like, I know usually with with the PCOS hormones, you have like the thick, like, you know, thick, wiry body hair. And I don't mine is very like thin. And she she agreed. She was like, I really. Yeah, because it's like a testosterone thing or something. So she didn't think I had it, but she had to make me check anyway. But um, right. because it, it does run in my family, um, I have family members that do have PCOS. Um, but it's 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 really unsettling, though, not knowing. I can say all I want, you know, that I have endometriosis, and that's what my doctor thinks because that's her best guess. But we don't know for sure. I could have surgery, and I could find out I don't have it, and then it's like, what's wrong with me? Because right. this, this isn't normal, you know. Cause exactly. It, it's I should not be. My period should not be as pain, so painful that I'm throwing up and fainting. That's mm-hmm. not, you know, and you shouldn't and be in fetal position. Is there, isn't, there isn't enough research. Like, there needs to be more research regarding, like, reproductive health. A hundred percent. Now, that's, I... Like, that's so sad. I don't know if, um, I don't know if you're a big reader. I don't know. We've never really talked about books or anything, but I'm, like, a huge reader. You know, I was a... English major in college. Um, I'm a very big reader. And so I, um, I'm always looking for, you know, books on, you know, my mental stuff about mental health, just to educate myself. And one day I was on Instagram and I was, I follow, um, I don't know if you know, London Cress. She's married to, she's married to Nathan Cress who played Freddie on iCarly. 
okay. So they're married and they have a baby and she's adorable. And his wife, so his wife, London, I follow her on Instagram because she's a model. And, um, you know, she posts really, like, insightful things. So one day she posted a book that she ordered called Beating Endo. So she shared that she has endometriosis and she had a baby and everything, normal, natural. Um, And it's called Beating Endo, How to Reclaim Your Life from Endometriosis. And it's by Iris Karen Orbuch and Amy Stein. So it's two doctors. Um... So I have a Goodreads account, or you can even just go on Google or look and look it up. But you can look up. There are different books about endometriosis. Um, if you suspect you might have it, you know, it's a good it's a good um, way to just research. Yeah, read up on it. There's another one that they also wrote called Beating Endo, a patient's treatment plan for endometriosis. There are so many books on this. Um, and I actually am planning on ordering one to read during this pandemic because, um, I think, you know, the more, the more research I can do on it, the better, because I can also help myself. Um, there's also one called, I'm trying to look for it now on my Goodreads account, something about it's not in your head, it's in your pelvis. Right. Um, that's another one. Endometriosis, it's not in your head, it's in your pelvis. So I feel if, like I've heard about that. So one. if you're real if you're interested in doing some research, even if you're a guy and you want to research this, that would be great because you never know, you know, who you might, you know, meet or know in your life that has issues and it just helps to be a little bit more educated and sensitive on it. Boyfriends, I swear, and my boyfriend is a saint for dealing with me during this. He's pretty he's pretty educated on this. Like you know, because I'm always teaching him about it and he experiences it firsthand. And, and I feel bad for them because they don't really, they don't experience it. So they don't really know what to do. So right. it's nice that he can at least, you know, offer support for me. And, um, right. and oh, that was another question I was going to ask you, though. But with these books, they talk about ways to overcome the pain of, you know, going through endo. So I was wondering... Have you ever tried any natural remedies for it? Because I've read a lot about doing yoga and this and that. Right. Um, My cousin is a yoga instructor, so I do dabble, not necessarily with her, but because she does it, I kind of, like, watch her on her Instagram or whatever, and I kind of, like, follow with what she does. Um, Once in a while, once in a while, I'll, like, pull out my yoga mat and when I'm having a bit really bad flare up I'll just like meditate honestly I, it doesn't you don't even have to like do full-blown yoga because for me sometimes it's just like so unbearable that like I can't do anything right I literally just like I just meditate and that kind of helps hmm. um I also I I'm, I don't want to say that I'm a believer in essential oils because I've had I've used essential oils and they really don't do much for me but sometimes if I just use that while I'm meditating, it does kind of relax my entire body, which obviously relaxes everything that's like cramping up and like, you know, just like causing wreaking havoc or whatever. So I would say you kind of have to be a believer in essential oils to get the benefits from it. And I feel like that's where I kind of struggle. Like I need to be more, I have to be less uh, skeptical about it and just kind of like let it do its thing (laughs) i mean they are oil they're oils made from the earth so they are natural and they are meant to you know nourish you 
So maybe right. just just think of that next time. Think of this is calming me. This is from the earth, you know. Because right. I do me- I meditate every once in a while. Um, I did take yoga in college and I loved it, and then I stopped. Um, I really should get my yoga mat back out. It's in my closet. I really should start doing that. But I do have essential oils, and I do the whole crystal thing, and you know. I'm very big on that and the <laughs> astrology yeah. and stuff because my whole thing is that, you know, I feel like that all has to be, have some truth because it's like, you know, the, your body is mainly water. The earth is mainly water. You know, it's yeah. the moon. It's, it's all, I feel like it's all combined somehow. And so everything that has to do with, you know, the universe, including, you know, nature itself nature grows you know yeah. things to nourish us mm-hmm. i feel like you know so everything you we know what really, have you know what really helps me um internally like i'll drink ginger tea yes that that really helps me yes i that, do other than like just like smelling essential oils sometimes if you like ingest essential oils like Peppermint sometimes helps with like my IBS issues that correlate with all of this, and then the ginger tea for sure helps. So I've that tried ginger. I've done chamomile. I love chamomile. Honey, lemon. I always put honey in my tea. Um, I'm a very big tea drinker. I d- I drink tea like I try to every night. But the problem is, is that I do actually avoid it when I'm menstruating because it makes my cramps worse, and that's because of the caffeine. Um, that's, so decaf might be the best way to go. Um, but there are actually some foods that, that make your cramps less painful. Um, they say carbohydrates are really good to eat while you're, while you have cramps. I love my carbs, so that's not a problem. (laughs) Um, that's no problem on this end. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say pasta, like give it to me. Um, but I also have an issue where I'm insulin resistant. So I try to, you know, not eat as many carbs. And then there's yeah. also, they say bananas are really good for you when you're cramping. I'm highly allergic, so I can't eat those. But if, oh. you, but if you are, you know, if you do have painful cramps and you're listening, try looking up different foods you can eat to relieve the pain, but also foods to avoid. Because there are foods that actually will make your cramps worse. And one of them, sorry ladies, is chocolate. Chocolate makes your cramps so much worse. Mm-hmm. And that's all so we crave. Foods really causes pain. Right, acidic, yeah. Right. Yeah, so like the pasta is good, but eat it with like butter and cheese and salt or something, oil, garlic, instead of spaghetti sauce. You know? Mm-hmm. There are so many different there really are so many different things to look up, though, about this. It's a very interesting topic, and there's not enough research. There really right. isn't. There are other me- there are other um, reproductive issues too. Like there are several. There's um, I think there's one called PM PMD. Yes. Premenstrual disorder or something like that. There's something like, like that. there's a lot of different ones, but my doctor went through like every one in the book. I feel like to try and fit the crit see what criteria I fit and the only one was endo Mm -hmm. so um I'm working now I feel like I have a new diagnosis every five seconds but that's the thing that's the thing this causes a lot of issues like it's like a domino effect like you were saying I have 
you know, insulin resistance. And then I also have two autoimmune diseases where I have... And then you wonder, like, which came first, the chicken or the egg. Right, exactly. I have Raynaud syndrome and I have Epstein-Barr because I had mono. Um, You know, it's just like I have, you know, mental health issues. And and it's like I feel like they all have to just coincide, you know? Mm -hmm. There's no way that... I don't know, but I, and I have a lot of allergies, but that's complete, that's completely genetic. And then again, you also wonder, huh, I have all these issues. They could be genetic. So it's like, it's all tied in. It really is all tied in. Um, I just feel bad for, I just feel bad for, I've had so many friends come to me and they're like, I have really bad pain and I throw up and I'm like, that's not normal. And they're like, oh, well, no, I've been doing it my whole life. And I'm like, okay, but that's not normal. Right. And that's like, that's a big thing is that while it's very common for many people to have it, it's not normal. And that's not the way your body should be working. So like you definitely should get the treatment that you need. Right. I agree. Um, so otherwise, um, what are, what are your daily struggles, um, with your reproductive health? Like not, not even just days that it's, acting up days where it's not do you do you experience do you experience any other I guess trauma physical or mental from it um I mean definitely like the anxiety about like having children in the future like it's definitely always on my mind like will I be able to have kids will it be difficult for me to have kids like you know that kind of a thing so definitely the anxiety about that causes an issue yeah um physically pain like physical pain not really but I also can't attest to that because everything is so irregular like because like nothing's on a schedule so it it could be happening like through a whole month and that's just the way it is that's so stressful to have it irregularly at least mine is like clockwork so if it's off by like a little bit I'm like um what's going on yeah um but I completely agree. I concur with the with the anxiety of having children on your mind all the time because my doctor told me last time I saw her she's like I know you're only 25, you have a lot of time, but it is so much better if you have endometriosis to have a child before the age of 30. Because otherwise it gets a lot more difficult. I mean, you have almost 10 years until you're 30. I have 5. Um, and my plan always has been to have a child before 30 and like, you know, I've been in a relationship for eight years, so we are planning on, you know, right now it's like we're in a pandemic, so it's like we're trying to just save money and this and that, but like we are planning on getting married within the next like two years and then, you know, I hopefully according to, you know, if everything goes according to the plan that we want, I mean, not everything does, but I will have a child by, by 30, um, but that's always on my mind. It's always on my mind because I've always just wanted kids so badly. I, I'm getting to that age where the switch just like turned on where it's like, I want kids and I want them soon. You know, it's like, that's like my body talking. And it's like, it's scary when you have something like this endometriosis where your time clock is even more limited. It's right. like, what if and I, that's the way I feel about it too. It's like, it's not that I necessarily want a kid right now, but I know that I want a kid in the future. And right. If my future is sooner than other people's, like, what am I supposed to do? Right. And you it's know? like, and it's like, here's the thing. It's like, what, and, and, you know, you don't want to get up there and be, you know, 34, 35, which is not too old, but it's like, it gets harder. It's more high risk when you're 
that around that age to, in general, right. in general. And then if you have something on top of it, it's like, what if you're up there and you find out you can't have children? You don't want to be like, wow, I should have just had a kid at like 26 and just done it. And I would have at least a kid, you know, that's something right. that's always racing in your mind. And I've, and I just have the morals of, I want to be, you know, financially stable and married first. That's like my, mm-hmm. that's like my prerequisites. Um, right. which, you know, everybody has a different, completely different storyline. Everybody's plot twist is different. Um, but it's, that's, that's definitely the mental, that's the mental aspect I think for both of us is that the children is always, it's always on our mind and it's, it's, it's kind it's just depressing. It makes you sad. And then you feel, yeah. then you feel like you're like, well, what do, just, what do I do? Like, what do I do? I don't want that to happen to me. Right. Yeah. It's. So there's a lot more than just the physical that comes with it. It's also, you know, emotional. It's so emotional and it's mental and uh, it's, it's exhausting and debilitating. For it sure. is definitely debilitating. Like you said, you end up in fetal position. I can't even do that. I can't stand. I can't sit. I can't lay. I don't know what to do. And I actually do have, um, I think my mom got it for me for Christmas a couple of years ago. It's... I think it has rice in it, like uncooked rice, and it's got lavender, and it's like a little, looks like a little pillow, and you put it in the microwave, and when you take it out, it smells so good, and you put it, like, on your lower stomach, and it, it definitely makes, makes the pain a lot better, so, like, I do use, I use, like, a heating pad, and... I, I'll take a shower, like a hot shower, but then I feel good in the shower, and then after the shower, they start coming back. So I was wondering then, also for you, what are some of the ways you relieve your pain when you're going through it? Um, definitely just, like, Advil. <laughs> yeah, see, I do Motrin, and it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't, like, help fully. That's why I'm on the pill now. Like, I told my doctor recently you know in January when I saw her I said I need a good new pill and I'm all about like there I'm not anti-medicine at all because I need it but it's like I'm all about like the natural stuff I don't want to have to put stuff in my body if I doesn't you know if I don't need to but it's like in this case I need to it helps me so much and if medicine and if medicine is the way you know is the way for you that's great if that's what helps you because that's what helps me but i also do like i do like natural natural remedies too so right i'm definitely trying to pick up more natural ways because i was on the pill like i said for about four years and then i said you know what i'm gonna try weaning myself off so last year i weaned myself off for about six months and then i was good i was perfect i was fine and then January, it hit again, like a ton of bricks. Mm-hmm. And now I'm on a higher dosage of hormones, and it kind of sucks. But I haven't gained any weight, at least with it, because that's also a side that's effect. Good. It's also a side effect of birth control, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, but, you know, it's been two months on this pill. I started it in February. It's been two months, and um, I actually, I, I feel good. I don't feel... I don't feel any side effects. I don't feel the pain, the severe pain. Good. So, um, are you currently experiencing the flare-up still, or? Um, not as frequently as I used to. Yeah. I was on so many different birth controls, and I was on, like, the depot shot, 
literally nothing was working for me. Now I'm on, it's like a low estrogen um, birth control pill. And that's, it seems to be helping. Um, the other aspect of that is that with the other medications that I was taking, specifically the Oralissa, it was causing some severe mental health issues. Oh. So that is something that I had to be careful with, with those hormones. And now that I'm on like the lower estrogen um, birth control, it's definitely helping with that. Yeah. Um, and kind of easing the pain a little bit more, but I still do definitely have pain yeah same i'm actually experiencing it as i sit right now and record oh i'm get I, not it's not bad though really really it's not bad it, i really Good. like my pill so i'm on tatula it's called i've been on all these different ones isa bloom janelle like oh, so many different I was ones on janelle. i didn't like janelle at all me neither see you gotta you know you gotta just like shop around kind of it's like yeah <laughs> it's like you're not gonna find the first one you find isn't gonna be like perfect or it might be you never know but anyway right. so if you're listening though and you 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 don't know where to go from here you you feel like this might apply to you um or somebody that you know always finding a doctor that you feel comfortable with um is super important i really love my doctors i go to riverview women's health in little silver there's also one in um, Hazlitt, an office. If you, you can always reach out to Allie or myself, you know, we, even if you don't know us that well or whatever, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We experience it. Um, do your research, keep your body healthy. That is, that is really the key. And it's, it stinks that we have to experience this. Anybody, anybody out there that experiences that whether you're a cisgender female whether you're you know a trans male like anybody who experiences you know menstruation at all because that's that's mm-hmm. not limited to women it's it could be you know a non-binary person like anybody anybody can experience it and if you need you know if you need to reach out there are people out there that will help you with this because it's just as important as any other health. It's just as important as mental health, anything. You should not have painful periods, like very painful periods. Period. Period. Yeah. <laughs> so I do want to. I do want to wrap this up though. Um, and this was a really good talk. I just. This is something I've just always kept either to myself, to friends, to, like, you know, a small group of individuals. And, like, I never really share my story, but it's, like, it's always been a big part of my identity mm-hmm. in a weird way. Me too. So I'm glad that we could talk about this. Yes, and everyone remember that while it's common, it is not normal. Yes. So you have you have so many resources that you can look into everything and you have people that will be there for you for sure because I know I will be I'm sure Bethany would be while it's common it is not normal and you you deserve to get help for it right agreed definitely all right well thanks Allie this was a really good conversation it really was yes thank you for having me of course um and thank you everybody for listening if you really you know if if especially if you're if you're somebody who doesn't experience menstruation or, you know, these kind of issues, um, thanks for sticking around because um, it's always good to educate yourself. Yes. Always good. Um, 
and I thank you for listening and it's really exciting that this is the 10th episode so thank you for you know sticking around Uh if you you haven't heard any of the other ones you might be interested um they're all different subjects we've talked I've talked about grief I've talked about mental health well they're all kind of combined you know they all go with mental health but we've talked about like anxiety and depression we've talked about um I've talked about like a bunch of different things you know um meditating and and reiki and so there are different different things in different episodes that might interest you um so you can go check them out um and if you have any ideas for any future podcasts please let me know that would be great all right um so thank you again Allie and of course thank you listeners and I hope you all are staying safe and well during this pandemic it's almost over if you need any support or any kind of you know just someone to talk to please reach out i'll always be there um and uh i hope you all have a wonderful day